with all these tools and things that are out there, people kind of like want to jump in feet first and do all this kind of stuff, but they haven't even mastered the simple yet. Like, you know, do you, do you have a good email list conversion? Do, do you have Google Analytics on your site and are you tracking that? Uh, you know, what, what are the basics of what you're doing? Are you regularly publishing content that is relevant and helpful? If, you know, let's, let's get those basics down first. And then once we have them, then, then we can use that as a foundation to build on. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back. Let's finish another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. In studio today, joining me as my guest is Ray Van Hilst. He is the Director of Client Results at Yoko Co. Ray is an innovative soul and his wit and charisma are present from the very moment you meet him. Ray seamlessly blends 20 years of marketing experience with modern web principles to establish advanced web presences of organizations that help build a better world. When Ray isn't in the office or a coffee shop or client office or a Wi-Fi hotspot, you can often find him speaking at events about web strategy and marketing technology. I'm super excited to have this conversation with Ray today. I earlier had uh, the owner of the company, Chris Yoko, on uh, the podcast as well. So I'd like you to join me in welcoming Ray Van Hills to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Hey, Ray, super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. So I'm super excited to talk to you about your superpower and how you help people um, in the sales and marketing uh, field, or at least help them with their digital uh, footprint. Do you want to share with our audience just a little bit of your background in terms of what it is that you do? Yeah, yeah. So background for, for me, I am a web strategist with a digital marketing agency called Yoko CO, and we work with organizations to help them leverage their web presence to make a bigger impact on what they do through society, uh, through their work, and things like that. And my key role as a strategist, I describe my job as helping my clients get beyond the hey, wouldn't it be great if, because when you start doing a web project or a marketing project, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, people have lots of ideas. Yeah. And so I work with my clients to say, hey, let's get beyond the wouldn't it be great if, and here's what you really should do. Um, and my superpower that I bring to the table for that is really focusing on helping my clients realize it's not about them. It's about their customers, their donors, their members, their stakeholders that are coming to them to look for information. I always say, you know, it's not about you. It's that someone's coming to your website or engaging with your marketing. They're yeah. looking to you to solve a problem. They're scared. They're worried. They need education. They need a tool or whatever. And let's make it easier for them to do that so that they like you a little bit better and then they engage and then we can convert them into our, our funnels. We go through that. Well, it sounds like you might've been looking at my website because you just named all the things that I've probably on my personal branding site that I've, uh, that I've probably done wrong. So appreciate you didn't <laughs> mention my domain in that uh, description. 
Uh, no worries. I, I think so. One of the books that uh, has really influenced me when I started realizing this. So I, I describe myself as being pathologically helpful. Um, <laughs> and like it, it is it is true. If people, you know, people call me up or send me an email like, oh, I've got a question. How do you do this? And I'll look up like 30 minutes later, I've written like 12 pages of, in the email to them of like <laughs> things I would approach with that. And Adam Grant wrote a book called Give and Take. Okay. Where it just talks about being helpful and uh, how helpful people make a difference in society. And I think marketing has an opportunity to do that too, to be helpful and to be engaging. And it's so much better than the standard, like, oh, sales call or things like, you know, when if you have the last time anyone actually went onto a car lot to buy a car and you had the salesman come up to you right away. Yep. You know, that's, that's the old school way. And so that's, that's why I try to help my clients in this being helpful helpfulness and yeah i'm not gonna i'm not memory. gonna i'm not gonna wade into that conversation I, I i remember my wife wanting to buy a car and uh it was it, it was an interesting experience it is i think uh people like us that do marketing we that sometimes become sport for us when we go into those kinds of situations yep yep i'll that well i'm just trying my best i'm just gonna ignore that whole conversation <laughs> it, brings, it brings back this bad Actually, it was it actually it was it was a good experience. It was just a, a poor salesperson who uh, unfortunately um, judged uh, judged the book by its cover and said, "Oh, this this older lady's not going to buy anything today." And then she left with a brand new Turbo Cayenne, which really surprised Ooh. him that somebody else got the sale. Anyhow, yeah. so I promise we wouldn't go there. So let's go back to your superpower and how we can help our audience today. So um, in terms of focusing on uh, the people that you serve, what are typically the you know one or two biggest mistakes that you see people make on their homepage? Yeah. So one, one of my personal pet peeves is, for example, is when someone's looking at their homepage and has their navigation they put the about button as the first navigation. Like, okay, I'm gonna tell you all about me, and this is so awesome. Um, <laughs> now, now that I've done talking about me, why don't you talk about me? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I, so the, I, I think one of the opportunities that I that people should do is say, okay, if you're here to be helpful and provide this service, or someone's looking for X, Y, Z, make that the first thing that people see. Okay. Yeah. You know? You know, really so just try to that. address their problem. The problem that they're looking for solutions should be the first thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I think the next thing that the mistake that I see people do is they try to fit too much into their homepage. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I'll I'll admit I'm guilty of it as well. Uh, and my creative director uh, Max is one of the best people I've ever worked with, and he he's trained me to like pull some things out, but we in our desire to get stuff out there and sometimes in our desire to be helpful, we just start throwing things at people and yeah, fire hose them. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we over, overwhelm them with choices. So, you know, let's find those choices of what is useful for someone. What are they coming to your site to do? What problem or thing do they need from you? And then let's help them do that and make it easy to convert and get to that next page where you're going to do that. Yeah, I'm just writing the notes here. So what problem are they trying to solve? I, maybe I get, I can redeem myself. I'm not going to get a gold star, but I'll get a point because the about me part of my website uh, navigation is the very last thing on my navigation. So Exactly. Okay. 
So in terms of engaging people and, and helping them to do that, so, you know, saying what problem are they trying to solve? So how would you typically work with a client in that situation? So you show up, you know, the clients ask you for their advice. They've built something in most cases already. They've got a website up and running. They're obviously not getting the results that they want. So they're, they're looking to make a change. And so what would your conversation typically be with somebody to lead them through that process, uh, looking at their site and go, okay, so here's some changes that we need to make. Yeah. So when in a case where someone has a site already set up like that, it depends on how much they want to go through. Are you looking to rebuild, reinvent, or are you looking to make moderate tweaks as you go? But the first place starts off with that customer research and actually going out and talking to people and talking to your customers, your donor, if you're nonprofit, your donors, or if you're an association, your members, talking to them to understand how you're company and brand fits into their life okay, and yeah. what they're lo- looking for you to do. And, it's, and and part of it is making sure that you you come into that conversation with an open mind and that you're listening of what, they're, what they need uh, so that you don't make any of those assumptions. Uh, too often what happens is, you know, the marketers or the sales team sits down like, oh, yeah, we know our customers and they map this information out. But it is based on just a few conversations, and they maybe haven't gone deep enough in those conversations to say, okay, like, hey, this is a, um, you know, I'll use current situation if you're a company providing medical equipment, you know, if you're a healthcare worker right now, you really, you know, unless unless you're selling PPE right now, a healthcare worker doesn't care about what you're offering. Yep. Okay. So recognize that or what they're doing. and. There may become times in the year where they need, for example, continuing education. So recognizing that that doesn't happen during their clinical care, you know, during their day. That happens in the evening when they've put the kids to bed and stuff like that. So how do you make it easy for people to go through that and recognize where people are interacting with your brand, how they're interacting with the brand and what they want from it? And pulling that in. And sometimes that's pretty eye-opening for my clients. Like they have th- these assumptions because they talk to people. And the reality is most of the people you talk to fall into two categories if, you're, if, if people are proactively reaching out to you. They either really love you or really hate you, right? Yep, yep. Uh, but there's 80% of the you – know, that only covers 20% of the people. That other 80% of your audience, you know, you kind of want to talk to them and – Dive in and take a look and see what are their needs? What are they coming? Where else are they going for information? How do they learn? What do they take a look at? And uh, then start making adjustments based on that information. So, you I mean, it's funny you said, you know, primary customer research. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Although for some reason, I find that generally clients are reluctant to call and have those conversations. Uh, they should be easier than a sales conversation. So in addition to doing uh, primary market research, I, I used to tell people when they say, hey, you know, they, they, the, I guess the general thinking was that I've rebuilt my website. So I've arrived. And I would say to them, no, this is the beginning this mm-hmm. isn't the end. I mean, the, that. so I would point them to analytics. So how much, once you get past the initial customer research, uh, is based on analytics and looking at how people are actually using your site and then maybe that's guiding your your future rebuilds or tweaks or content based on where they are? Oh, yeah. that That is huge for us because once you've done your research and you've said, hey, our users are coming in to do this thing, they're looking to us to do that, you now know within your site – 
based on that where you want them to get to and how much yeah. time you want them to go. And you now know what you want your actions to be. You know, there is, there is this Venn diagram overlap where if you do everything for your customer, but not for you, there, you know, the, the circles don't overlap. So there, there is a potential to go a little too far. So we want to make sure that, hey, they're coming in, be it through the homepage or one of your blog articles. What's that next step and where are they going? And then looking at those analytics of how can we make some reviews, make some adjustments. I was doing that with one client and uh, one of their main goals is to have people use a, a find a provider tool on their site. And we noticed that, okay, people were coming in off of the right Google searches on the pages we wanted, but they weren't getting to the find a provider tool. Well, let's look at do that A-B testing at that point. Sure. What if we move it up in the page, make it really obvious or have some other call outs? And over time, we increased the usage and we got to that goal of doing that. So using that tool and, and that should be an ongoing thing. I, you, it's a great point about analytics. Too many people get busy in their day-to-day thing of what they're doing that they forget to look back at the analytics. And for many of our clients, we have a a program where we do just a 30 day 30 day report and we we simp- if you've been in Google Analytics and you've got a savvy marketing groups so I know they all have um, you know it can it can become a rabbit hole of information so yep. we've created a report that says hey here's the high level things you need to know and then we do that on a monthly basis and then on a quarterly basis we look at the aggregate of that and say okay how are we doing and that's the point to kind of like make those shifts as in your planning of the website with that data in hand. Well, and and what's kind of what's kind of interesting is, you know, um, I've been in the marketing space for a real long time. I have lots of gray hair, so made lots of mistakes, had some success. I don't even have hair. <laughs> well, you know, it can be overrated. Everyone's been giving me grief on all these these live <laughs> video calls I'm doing. They're going like, dude, what's with your hair? I went, what do you mean? Like, they said, it looks so nice. It's like, okay, whatever, move along. Um, so, but in, in terms of um, uh, website and analytics, it's funny because, you know, this is the space that I'm in. So to your point, things change. I, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, so this is my confession for this week of a mistake. I went in to, to look at some analytics this week on the site, and I know that my web guy had updated, made some updates on the site and blew off my, my GA code. So I'm lucky I'm going, that doesn't make sense. I can't. Yeah. What, what do you mean there's there's no traffic this week? Did something happen that I wasn't aware of? So then I went and searched to see if the tag manager is there. It's like, where'd the tag manager go? So I don't know how it happened, but there's a perfect example of if you're not checking, uh, you know, somewhat regularly what's going on with your your online presence, mm-hmm. it, it, it went away. Yeah. And that's and that's a tough one to recover from. Uh, don't, it, but don't feel bad. I've heard it's happened to many people, too. So. That comes back to, like you said, hey, are we? how busy are we working on our business that we're not you know, doing regular check-ins with mm-hmm. with what we've got up there? We just can't assume that uh, in these days of technology, not everything works well all the time. Things break, things change, updates come in, and we need to have somebody looking at this on a regular basis. Not just a, it's not a quarterly or annual review. Exactly. Well, and I think the other thing that's important is that recognizing, particularly from if your business is, is search-driven and when you look at your analytics and say, how much of my traffic is coming in off of Google? Yeah. And recognizing that Google is constantly making updates as well in an effort. And I, I tell clients all the time, you know, Google's goal is to always return the best results. They're not trying to, they're actually not trying to penalize anyone. They just want the best results to come through. Yep. So as long as back to, back to my point about being helpful. So if your content is being helpful 
and your content is good, you should be showing up in Google, right? But sometimes Google adjusts something. There was the update last year called Your Money or Your Life, where it was updating. <laughs> and and that, that, that's what we called it internally, but it was around updating, like, for example, information from health sites and financial sites and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, if you're not paying attention and watching your tra- what your traffic is doing on certain pages and certain keywords, like you'll look up six months later and be like, where did my organic leads go? So yeah. that, that's why ha- having that regular check-in and looking at that is, is really helpful. Well, I also look at that to see where my trap, like he's to your point, where my traffic's coming from. So obviously Google's the 800 pound gorilla, but mm-hmm. where else does my traffic come from? And when we worked a lot in the, in, in the financial sector with um, venture capital guys, we found we got better, we had better time on site and better conversions from traffic coming from Yahoo than we did from Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only, the only thing I could assume was that that was because of um, Yahoo Finance's legacy that provided a better search. Now, I couldn't get the volume of the traffic that I wanted, but the traffic I could get from Yahoo made a, made a big difference. But it's also, you know, to the point of those channels, it's also looking at you know, one of the people, the, the channels that people overlook and your uh, speaker that you had on, I think, uh, last week, I'm brain farting on his name, but talked about email versus social, how everyone feels like they need to do social. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, everyone's yeah. doing social. I must be cool. And you're like, yeah. these people aren't converting. Oh, yeah. email is so old school, but they're converting. Like, yeah. okay, look at look at those channels and say, okay, so let's be helpful there and double down in that in those channels. Yeah, I mean, it was it was John Meese that was on yeah. last week, and yeah, it was funny because I did look him up prior to our interview and I couldn't find him on social, so I thought he was kind of a joke, and I saw the <laughs> the blog there, but I I looked again to analytics, so where my where are my refer sources, and I can look at um, where are people coming uh, from social, what channels is it Twitter, is it Instagram, is it LinkedIn. And then what's the quality of the visitor coming from those channels? So it makes a really easy business case. Of, mm-hmm. You know, should I be spending more or less resources or no resources in those areas? And then, you know, with those channels of where they're coming in, what are those landing pages that are looking at? So, again, yeah. particularly if someone's coming in off of those channels, they came because they saw something they're looking for. So what what are you showing them when they come in? Are you showing them something that's going to make their life easier that addresses the pain point? Or are you showing the, look at me, here's our greatest sale. Yeah, and the same obviously is, is is true. I think you know I say this a bunch of times. It's my space is an email space. It's like if you know what are you what are you saying when you're communicating with people? If you want them to engage and click, then you know um, serve them. Don't always sell them. Right, right. And I do think it's I I think it's also important to sometimes step out of your your own world and comfort zone of when you're looking at that, and particularly with your organic traffic to make sure that you are having that external view as you take a look, look at things. So an uh, example that happened uh, actually with a client yesterday when we were doing an analytics review, um, they have a page about COVID-19 on their website. They were about to have an education event coming up that obviously had to be canceled, an in-person event. And I noticed as we were reviewing their analytics with them, I was like, okay, so you recognize it. Related to what you do in COVID-19, you're on page one of Google for the search, and here's all the people around it. And they're like, oh, wow, that's great. I said, yeah, but, I said, but this tells me that when I click through, like you've done information to your core small group of users and these wider group that's looking for information around this, like you haven't even addressed this. You, so you missed the SEO opportunity around that to elevate what it is you offer to, to the community as 
as a whole. And, and yeah. one of this group, and one of the goals of this group is to elevate what their practitioners do <laughs> okay. and the importance of it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's a missed opportunity. So that's why ha- so, you know, sometimes we get so caught, we get so myopic as we're looking at our content and information. It's good to step back and say, okay, if I came into this fresh, if I didn't know what this was, what would I see? And what would my impressions be around that? Yeah, and I, it's funny because I, I think that the social channels, you know, and, you know, uh, feel free to push back, uh, kind of have the same goal that Google. I think they're trying to they're trying to serve the best uh, result for the for the user. So, you know, when you type into Google, I mean, they're looking to get the best result, not not an ad, not a spam ad or or SEO that's going to take me down the wrong path. And I think the social guys are trying to do the same thing. Um, and that's, you know, although the, a lot of marketers complain, hey, I'm not getting the visibility I used to get. So I don't know. What are, you, what are your feelings on the uh, the social channels um, opposed to Google in terms of serving content? Well, I think so. So there, there's in the modern, in, in the more recent world of marketing, with what we're seeing with everyone being at home and working, um, and I've been seeing articles and actually have seen with some of our clients. First of all, if you're doing paid social, cost per th- your, your costs per thousand and your paid social is going down because there's so much more inventory because everyone's working at home and on Facebook a lot more now. Yep. But I definitely see that when you're in the paid social social realm, again, back to having that relevant content and when you can tweak it and when you can buy the right when, when you can target your right audiences and what you engage with, yeah, you, you get you get those better results as you go through that. Um, I see that personally. I, I don't know somehow. I, by the way, I'm not a, a New England Patriots fan or a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, but I've been kind of curious watching the um, Tom Brady stories around that. Yeah. I've been noticed, and again, so I it's it's kind of an experiment for me. I'm like, oh, I click on a Tom Brady story. All of a sudden, I'm seeing like New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers stories because I read some Tom Brady stories. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's 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 kind of interesting to like every now and then like start reading articles that are outside of your interests in these social channels and see what different ads start getting served up to you. But we do that as marketers as experiments, and that's not like to your point. That's like okay, the channels are trying to show that most relevant information of things you'd be interested in. Same as with Netflix. Our two Netflix pages would look completely different. Unless, yeah, unless you like stand-up, stand-up comedy and jazz, and then they look exactly the same. I like stand-up comedy and jazz, absolutely. <laughs> so in terms of you know people evolving from where they are, so I mean we're in a, a time now where, like you said, there's more people at home. I'm assuming that search, search is up. Um, obviously, time on screen is up. Mm-hmm. Where's the low hanging fruit with most people's websites? So you've said, you know, hey, the about us page shouldn't be first. You've said that, you know, um, you need to address your audience. So what problems are they trying to solve and make that front and center? Are there other areas where people are just missing it? And if they made a, a couple tweaks, they would see a see a you know an improvement. Yeah. Well, so I think let's let's look at it from two perspectives. Of one is, do you do you have are you marketing a solution or service that is relevant with our COVID-19 crisis in the right in the here and now, which is going to be, you know, that's going to be a small segment. If you're not, your low hanging fruit then is to prepare for what's coming next. Uh, because eventually we are, we, we are going to get used to this new normal of what's happening in our economy and things will start to normalize and air quoting the normalized things of what of behaviors yeah so this is a really good opportunity like in these while things are kind of slowing down prepare for those next waves 
in our economy and our marketing. So go look at your at your landing pages. Look at the top landing pages in your site. If you were looking at those for the first time, would you find them relevant? Would you find them helpful? Are they converting? Look at where you're appearing in search. Do you have are, are you in the right places? Do you do you have that content? So again, if we go back to our users and we say and our member and our members and our uh, customers, if we say they're coming to they're looking for this kind of information, go look at your content, do a content audit. Do you have that information? You know, do you have the information to be helpful? And if not, then getting on that content strategy plan of creating it, putting it up there, optimizing it. And the benefit I think you're going to have is it's going to take a while for that content to get indexed. But when things start to air quote normalize, you will have a greater presence and you'll be you'll have that organic search foundation built for you at that point. Well, that's that's a really, you know, you're the only the second person who's mentioned that that I've talked to this week. I think it's a really interesting point, you know, and, and I'll just um, I'll come back to that indexing I'm finding now happens almost immediately. That's just yeah. my personal experience. So, you know, we release a podcast episode this morning. I think it goes out about four o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I check my email this morning at six o'clock as I'm getting up, having a cup of coffee and there's my Google alert. So the content's there. But I want to get back to something you said because it's so relevant right now. And the question that somebody asked me in a mastermind is, what will your business look like after the quarantine's over? And he said that, um, you know, your vision needs to be past the quarantine. So to your point, um, so, you know, we've got a business, we've got a website now. What are your customers going to be looking for when things get back to whatever the new normal looks like? And now's a great time to try to anticipate that, I think, like you said, and create content or maybe processes or forms or funnels. What advice or comments would you have on that? So it's going to definitely start off with um, going back to your customer research and, this is going to take some imagineering and we can't necessarily get out and talk to people right away. But so if you're looking at your audiences and what they're doing and saying, okay, so when things normalize, what will have changed for them? You know, is this a company hypothetically like they've gone to more remote workers? They used to have this office and now 50% of them said, screw this. I'm not going back to the office. I'm going to stay a remote <laughs> worker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you, you know, maybe that's the thing of how do you manage this workforce that stayed remote? Or is it, you know, around financial questions and hobbies and saying, okay, so in that changed environment, what questions are people asking and what things do they need to deal with those new challenges? And from there, we we have a technique that we do when we're working on a content strategy with a client. We we call it content needs matrix and we map, we take our personas and our users and uh, customers, and we say, we literally go down like, okay, what is every single question this person could ask? How do I buy it? Where is it? What does it do? So on and so forth. How do I solve this? Is it any good? And thinking through that conversation that someone has, and now's the time to be doing that thought work for that, of looking at it. That's a great, that's a great idea. I mean, the other thing I'm finding is now people that wouldn't do a Zoom meeting with me are now up to do a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Or video card, whatever the conference is, Google Hangouts. I don't care. Pick one. I'm not. I don't work for Zoom. And I just happen to spend hours a day on Zoom. 
But to to your point, now is a great time to reach out to your customers and have a non-sales conversation. Like you said, to be helpful. Hey, mm-hmm. so, you know, how is this affecting your business? You know, what's your business going to look like when you come out the other side? What, you know, what are the problems that you, that you anticipate that we could start these, you know, have a conversation today so, you know, you don't, you're, you're not one in 500 people who are emailing me, you know, next month. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and looking at then also how can you help them bridge that gap to get to that point of what it is that they need for their. Yeah. So, so do you have a, a case study or an example? Um, feel free if you'd like to shout out a client or if you want to keep it confidential, that's fine as well. Uh, I've kind of a, a remake, like a before and after, because I think often as marketers, and I'm guilty of this for sure, people come to me for something and I really want to get into the deep weeds of what I do because I love what I do and they really don't care. They just want to know how can you transform me from where I am to where I want to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So one of my clients I'll talk about, uh, they are a government contractor and so they offer a technology in the government space that helps federal agencies manage information and share information across users. Uh, within within agencies and stuff like that. And when we started working with them, their marketing was just around like, here's our product. And they gave it a product name and said, you know, this is what it does. And without that, and we worked with them. I'm like, and even as a relatively smart technical person, I looked at, I was like, I don't quite get what it is you do. I'm not understanding the benefit, the benefits. And I think that's one of the challenges they were having. They were talking about all the features of what it does. Oh, it's got this and security levels and can store so much. And I was like, okay, well, what, what are the benefits? And what we ended up doing with them was going back and saying, okay, go, let's go back to your audiences and let's look at the people that you're interacting with within, within the federal government and what are their pain points and what are they doing? And we actually worked with them to then map out marketing personas and addressing, okay, what benefits are they using? What are they going through? And then we slow over time just started revamping their content of highlighting out the benefits. Like for example, with knowledge management, it's the fact that, you know, in the federal government, everyone's got access to SharePoint as an example. I don't mean to pick on SharePoint, but that's just the case that's there. Yep. I've, I've, I've worked with government agencies, <laughs> so I'm familiar with SharePoint, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. So everyone just throws like, they just throw these documents into SharePoint and throw it all on a share drive or someplace. Yeah. So the benefit is like from using our client system is that is it's searchable, it's findable, there's taxonomy, less time searching, more time doing is essentially that that's essentially what you get when they do that. And once we told that story and put that all together for them and created content around it and created content around the benefits and the uh, content around the here are the best ways to manage that and here's the tips and tricks. We actually over time, and it's a great example of not having to tear your marketing down and start over from scratch because we did it bit by bit. We said, okay, let's look at this and let's just let's just update update the copy on the web page. So we did that first and let's update these landing pages. Then let's update, you know, get the blog post going. And then we got to the point where we're like, okay, that's good. We've been going through that. Now we're going to update the entire look and feel and bring you up to speed. That's a, that's a great approach. I've, I've never heard um, anybody in your business talk about that, going through that process over a period of time before. Yeah. I mean, it's, the work has to be done and there's this fear of 
side tangent, the standard process of people, what people go through when they're building their websites is, I hate my website. Let's do a big project, rebuild the website. I set aside all the work for four months to do this, and now I have to do the work. And yep. now I get busy into doing other things. I look up two years later, I hate my website. Repeat, right? Instead, there's a way to say, okay, what's the most important thing? You know, What's the low-hanging fruit? What's the next bit of fruit? How do we do that? How can we make those incremental improvements and manage that over time? You still eventually do the same work. You just spread it out in a much more manageable way where you haven't had to put all your other work aside. Well, it seems to make sense. You get to you get to um, you know to utilize your resources, so your people and money resources mm -hmm. over over time. And I, I think the other upside, at least for me, as I'm thinking through this, is um, I get to see the changes in analytics. So you know, you're sending me uh, reports, so I get an email, and you're saying, "Hey, here's here's your new analytics." We can start to see the improvements uh, as they go, which we can point to. Hey, we did this, and this is what happened. We did this. This is what happened. Opposed to doing a big change and going, "Well, okay." It's better, but I don't know exactly what moved the dial. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly what happened with this client is that they were – a lot of their traffic that was coming in beforehand was irrelevant, not proper, you know, not, not targeted. So we made those tweaks. We started seeing people coming in going like, oh, now I see what they do. We saw traffic then coming in, going to their service line pages and actually spending time on the service line pages. We saw through the blog articles, people coming in off of the organic topics and then converting back into the service line pages around that. And then the blog articles also work to then help them market to their existing clients and their existing stakeholders in the federal government. So it's a good way to just like make those baby steps. And then the big design reveal when it was done was to then say, Baba, let's give you a new, new look and feel. Uh, the, and quite frankly, for this company, it really I, it helps them punch above their weight from a marketing uh, perspective. But we paced it for them in a very measured way. That's really cool. Super encouraging. So, listen, I hope you got that. You know, I, I have so many conversations and overhear so many conversations with people that are rebuilding or want to rebuild. And their idea, like you said, is to throw everything out. But they start with uh, to the beginning of our conversation with this big list of what if we could do this? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what are the absolutely, you know, what are the minimal requirements? What do we have to have? Yes, we know that we can do this and this and this and this, but is that what you really need? Right. Yeah. Cool. So how do you manage the, how do you manage those conversations? Because, you know, today we've got so much information at our fingertips. There's events and seminars, uh, whether they're online or obviously there's no face-to-face uh, -face anymore, but with all these new bells and whistles and the latest social media trends and all these gurus that are publishing every day saying, do this, do this, do that. How do you manage your clients to get them down to, okay, Doug, hey, I'm glad you went and you heard, you know, this guy speak. However, Let's get back to um, you know what you need to do to move your sales dial. So it comes back to our conversation we were talking about earlier with analytics. You know, the first thing I ask a client is I, I look at them, I'm like, let's show me the money. Where is your revenue coming from? What are the things that are generating either your most margin or your most revenue? And so that we understand that. And then are we looking to optimize traffic and marketing through that? Or is that doing good? Or are you, or are you looking to add, add on another product or service line and go through that? So it, it really does come back to some of that business strategy yeah. driven by the analytics as you're going through that. I really love 
working with clients at that point to say what what are the base hits we can make um you know i since it would be baseball season now you know yeah it would be home, yep. <laughs> you know home home run hitters strike out a lot right yeah they do but the singles the guys that hit the singles and the doubles you know uh, i'm in i'm in washington dc so I, i'm going to miss anthony rendon you know tony two bags consistently hit doubles consistently hit so you know, what are those singles and doubles that we can be hitting? What are those small steps we can do and learn from that as we go rather than just swinging for the fences with that home run uh, with a big thing out of the gate. And sometimes it really is about what can we simplify? What can we make a little easier? And I think that's the challenges with all these tools and things that are out there. People kind of like want to jump in feet first and do all this kind of stuff, but they haven't even mastered the simple yet. Like, you know, do you do you have a good email list conversion? Do do you have Google Analytics on your site, and are you tracking that? Uh, you know, what what are the basics of what you're doing? Are you regularly publishing content that is relevant and helpful? And if you know, let's let's get those basics down first, and then once we have them, then then we can use that as a foundation to build on. No, that's yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. Very easy to hear you talking about that, but um, you know, uh, I found it very tough to to implement. Whether it's for myself or clients I've worked with, even on my own stuff, it's like you got to come back to that and and they go, okay, stop. Do I really need to do that? Like, yeah, right. it's really cool, and I think it's really cool. But is that going to help my clients? Are my clients going to have a clue what am I what I'm doing? Can I get it back? Like he said, do something simple that's just really focused on them. Yeah, I, I, I had a boss. I. I you probably saw it in my bio, but I used to work for Ringling Brothers. I used to work for the circus, and no, I was not a clown. I, worked I, I, wasn't, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> my wife would totally say I was a clown. But the you know we do these campaigns, we do these things. I had a boss that always said, how many butts will it put in seats? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's all about butts and seats. And I, I come back. I'll, I'll be in the middle of a project with nothing that has even to do with any live entertainment. I just look at them and go, butts and seats. Like what? I'm like, how is this going to move the needle? Is it going to really make a difference in your revenue, your donations, your goals, whatever? And if not, then like, why why are we doing it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I often, most often I would say that, but I was at that time, it would be a, a not for profit that I'm volunteering with or giving money to when they're doing a fundraiser. It mm -hmm. was really about, okay, so how do we get butts in the seat? But more importantly, how do we get the right butts in the seat? Right. So, which right. is no different than our business. So it's like, okay, so there's people that are passionate about the organization and they volunteer. That's great. But those are the wrong people to have at your fundraiser. We need butts in the seat that can write really big checks. Mm -hmm. um, so we can do a social for all everybody. But if you want to, you know, so yeah, get the right butts in the seat. And in that case with a nonprofit, you know, is it, that's the question of, are you looking to, and we, we do campaigns like this with clients where, are you looking to deepen the engagement within a small group and yeah. get more out of them? Or are you looking to expand the pool and get more smaller groups in and then move them through that process? And then within each of those, again, coming back to our customer research, what are their motivations for getting involved and participating? Is it an initial feel good or because they feel invested? And what does that path and that journey look like for them for that? Well, and I'm going to ask a, a general question, so feel free mm -hmm. to, to decline to answer. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking that, you know, businesses 
I would uh, broadly say they obviously have more resources than not-for-profits. So in terms of people resources, they have more paid staff. They typically, they're, they're for-profits. So they have more money. Do you think the problem with, I don't know what the problems are, with not-for-profits is, is, is um, greater than uh, with um, a business in terms of creating the right uh, homepage and website? So I think, so I, actually, oddly enough, I'm sometimes surprised because we because I work with such a wide range of for-profit and non-profit and groups um, that many for-profit groups also have the same budgetary and constraints going on as, as a nonprofit does. I think within the nonprofit space, the challenge becomes uh, trying back trying to do too many things and okay. trying to make trying to make too many asks. So you know when we talked about the mis- one of the mistakes people make on their homepage is they try to put too much stuff there. It's uh, in the non- in nonprofits like it's like okay, give us our money and do this and volunteer and do this and buy something and get your tote bag or whatever. It's you know, and and that's again that's about the that's the ask instead yeah. of the tell of like what what are you passionate about what are you working with. Yeah, and if I make a donation, what what does that translate into in terms of a result? Because obviously, mm-hmm. there's lots of places you can give money. Um, right. Just like there's lots you know, as a business, there's lots of places you can shop. So if you're talking not for profit, like what what does my dollar get? If I give that to you, um, mm-hmm. does ninety cents go to administration and ten cents go to help somebody, or does ninety cents go to help somebody? And then how do you help that person? And and what and then showing what they we do this with, with many of our nonprofit clients is then showing the impact that that had on the group that the audience that the organization is helping. Sure, you know, totally makes sense. We we all we, we ultimately we're ultimately participating in nonprofits and with organizations to make a difference, but then. We don't always see that impact. So, is it you know, land saved, people helped as you go through that? So, and, and that's part of that storytelling piece that is able to come back and and be helpful and goes into your content strategy plan. Super cool. So, as a guy who's been in the uh, this kind of space for twenty plus years, what are you most excited about in the next? Six to twelve months. I mean, uh, admittedly, we're at a really weird time in the world. But that aside, what what gets you most excited and wakes you up early every morning? Yeah. So I think, as I said, I'm pathologically helpful, <laughs> and I love that my role as a marketer helps me to help other organizations that are making a difference in society. And I think our clients and the people that are making that positive impact in society are going to be even more necessary. As we adjust to this new normal, there, yeah. the, the services, the services and goods that these or, that organizations and companies provide as we adjust are going to be super important. So I, I love helping them do that, and, I, and that's my reason for doing. It. I always say I don't change, I don't save the world, but my clients do, and I, I truly believe that. And that's across the board of my for-profit, non-profit clients. And then what makes me excited is because of what we're doing right now, digital is even more important. So, you know, many of the, you know, like I, I feel bad for people that are the people that are selling billboards and out of home advertising right now yeah. um, because no one's out driving. Uh, so these digital tools and telling your story digitally and getting them in front of the audiences and having an imp, your storefront on the web, that that's exciting to me to be able to help help our clients make that impact through their digital presence. 
Yeah, it was certainly and sadly at the same time a stark wake-up call for all the bricks and mortar companies that refused to go online because they had to have customers in their store. And mm-hmm. there's some that are close to us that we now see. Uh, you know, we see some local ads coming out for them. We're we're working on getting our inventory online. So unfortunate that, that they missed they missed that um, you know the, that wave. But um, there's obviously a big shift now for people going. Hey, this is where we need to be. Yeah, it totally is. And it's requiring people to adjust their businesses as they go. I mean, uh, and I think the businesses that plan just a little bit ahead are the ones that are going to be able to make make it through there. A a good example that is a friend of mine owns a coffee shop in Herndon, Virginia. I'm going to give him a shout out to Weird Brothers Coffee, weirdbrothers.com. Paul Paul uh, and I coached softball together with our kids, and when he said he was starting a website, when he was starting a coffee roasting company, he's like, I don't know how to buy a domain. I was like, I got you, dude. Let me help you out. And uh, so we set up his site, and he said, I said, I'm going to set you up with some e-commerce. He goes, I'm not going to need that. Everything's (laughs) going to be in store. I said, trust me, I'm going to put it in the site. It's going to be there. One day you'll thank me for it. Well, lo and behold, you know, right now um, he's got free shipping if you buy two bags of coffee. He's selling. You can place your order, drive by. He'll run out, put it in your car and stuff like that. And he's making it through. You know, this yeah. is a small, you know, small coffee roasting shop, but planned ahead, had those tools and he's, and, and he's reacting well. So that's really, that's a cool story. Yeah. So what's, uh, as you're, um, you know, think, think back when you're out uh, socializing um, at business conferences, <laughs> what's some of the bad advice that uh, you hear people talk about when they talk about web, web design and kind of the service that you offer? I'm not, now, at this point, I'm not asking you to name names, but just what's some of the bad advice that, you know, I'm likely to hear? Uh, that I don't. So I think a lot of people look at their web presence and their web, their digital as a cost expense rather than a, a multiplier for that. So sometimes it's the, I don't need, I don't need to be spending that much money on it going through that. So I use, uh, I, I work, do a lot of work with associations as well. There's literally, there's, there's an association for everything. And in fact, I actually belong to the association for associations. So that's how, that's <laughs> that's, how meta it is. That's funny. So when I'm speaking at association conferences, I always remind people, remind them that, more people will interact with their website than do anything else. Then we'll come to their annual conference or their annual meeting. And so then I look at the event people. I'm like, so your web budget should actually be bigger than your annual meeting budget. And they all, they all cringe. And I'm just slightly joking at that point. Yeah, just slightly. <laughs> just slightly. Uh, because think about it, like all these associations have canceled all their conferences. Yeah. But if all that money was in, in the web team, like they could, they'd be, and now they're starting to set up virtual conferences around there. So it's, you know, it's, so thinking about it, not, thinking about your web presence, not as an expense, but an opportunity is one. I think the other advice that I hear, and this is back to, I, I said earlier, simplify, is people try to jump into the deep end and do everything at once. Uh, let's, let's walk before we run. So, not necessarily a marketing-related example, but um, I'll use it. My, my wife is a second-grade teacher here in Fairfax County, and uh, teachers across the country are suddenly becoming web marketers. Sure. They, okay. They, they've all learned how to use Zoom, do digital content plans, and put and reach out one-on-one to their target audiences, be their students and stuff like that. And that's a completely different skill set. And sh- she was working with her team, and she said, hey, you know, let's master simple. 
No, she's t- she's in second. She's teaches second grade. So these parents haven't had the Google Classroom and Blackboard experience that my my high schoolers have. <laughs> yeah. So like these these are parents that as they're learning to homeschool, they they're like. And I helped my sister with this the other day. who has got a, a first grader. My sister was like, "What's Google Classroom?" I was like, "Oh, well, let me walk you through this." So the parents are confused. So throwing all these technology at them is just going to confuse them. Well, the same thing in your marketing as you come back to that. It's like, hey, you know, yes, there is all this complex things you can do. You could use a marketing automation and set up a 20-step workflow with all these roles and stuff like that. But if your list isn't clean, is that a really yeah. is that a good use of your time? Or if you can't, if your deliverability is poor? Exactly. Doesn't doesn't matter how many times you hit the send button? Yeah. You know, let's master simple and make sure make sure we're doing that well and then and then build on it as we go. So I see people at conferences throw out these grand plans and I'm just like, ten percent of my clients can do that. There you go. That's going to be my thought for the week, the rest of the week. So I just wrote down master simple. So that's going to be my goal is everything I look at for my uh, my my work this week is going to be is this as simple as it can be. Because lots of times in the, in, you know, as a marketing guy who loves technology and going, oh, this is so cool. We can do this and this and this and this and this. And yeah, come back to simple. So a couple yeah. of questions let you get back to serving your clients and helping out your friends and family on Google Classroom. Who's one guest you think I should have on my podcast? Yeah. So I think a great guest to have on your on platform would be my friend Dave Martin, who is a, a VP of marketing at the American College of Radiology. Okay. Uh, Dave and I have actually spoken uh, at conferences before, and he's doing some great stuff with artificial intelligence. Uh, he's a good example of someone that did simple and is built on it. So he and I kind of experimented with AI and mar- marketing for that. Uh, so he'd be a great, great guest for you. Well, Ray, if I could ask you for an introduction, that'd be great. I would love to. Yeah, definitely. And now the most important question of the whole day because I know you're a, you like to help people. Um, how can people uh, connect with you and uh, learn more about uh, what you're doing and how you're helping uh, help and save the world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, as I've told my kids, Van Hilst is a unique name. Okay, so uh, I run into friends from high school, and they're like, "Oh, dude, I always wonder what happened to you." And I'm like, "Pardon my language, bullshit. You, you didn't wonder." They're like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Google my name." Type in Ray Van Hilsen to a browser. Yeah. You'll find me. There's five pages of results. I'm the only one in the country. So if all else fails, that's Google funny. me, you'll find me. Um, okay, that's good. I also, also told – also, this is why I tell my kids this because I'm like, I'm watching you. I, I, I see you online. Your name pops up in a Google search. You know, I, I see it. <laughs> but beyond that, my email address is ray at yokoco.com. You're welcome to email me or check out our website at yokoco.com. And uh, actually, uh, we're about to launch a new website in the next couple of weeks. So you'll, depending on when you visit, you'll get the old experience, which is pretty awesome, or new experience is going to be even better. So. Well, they should do both. Exactly. There you go. There's your case study. So listeners, when, uh, the, when you're reading through the show notes, go have a look at the website now and uh, utilize the resources they've got and then check back in a couple of weeks and uh, let Ray know if you think he's done a, a better job uh, than when you first showed up. Yeah. And we'll, I'll, t- I'll take your feedback. Let us know how it's working for you. Is it, is it helpful? Is it helpful? There you go. Yeah. That's a great question. Is what I'm doing helpful? Yeah, that's another question. I should, uh, that's, uh, look at this. I got all this wisdom from you today. I appreciate that. My pleasure.
So thanks for taking time. Thanks for sharing what you're doing. I I, I love your approach and uh, what you guys are doing. I love the um, you know the master simple and uh, being helpful. Some great tips. I love the, your approach in terms of um, not uh, having to throw everything out and start all over, but to do it uh, do it gradually over time. It makes a lot of sense. So. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode today. There's a ton of information. I've got half a page of notes that I've written kind of cryptically here as I was talking to Ray. As per usual, the show notes will be transcribed, so you'll be able to head over to the website. I'll make sure that all the contact information is there and links to Ray's social as well. So thanks again, Ray. Appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, We look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.